Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Before we get in on this series on grace, just want to uh, make an announcement for next week. Uh, the information that you're going to be hearing today is important because next week will be a business meeting to vote by ballot vote on the things that we'll be sharing uh, after the service today because there'll be a change in, in my position and so we, you need to be aware of that and uh, so I would invite you to not only stay after the service but also to be aware of the fact of our business meeting next week which will deal with that. That has to be announced one week before uh, so it's important that you understand that. I'm excited about grace because grace is that which absolutely changes us. If we're going to change our life, if we're going to change our family's life, if we're going to change our church's life, then we're going to have to understand grace because grace is that which transforms us. It is that which absolutely changes us and its primary means. Grace is the primary means that God is going to use to bring transformation to bring that change so if we don't understand grace we're going to be in this study for about 13 weeks and so we're going to learn how to see that transformation that change take place now study number one today you'll see your notes I'm giving you a lot of notes because I want you if you don't understand grace you don't understand the whole foundation of our Christian life so there's a lot of information there we want you to catch it off our notes but we're looking today at performance performance let's go to Galatians chapter 3 Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 Galatians 3 3 says are you so foolish having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect by the flesh that is the question for the ages having begun in the spirit are you now being made perfect or complete by performance or by works or by flesh? Let's bow together. Father, it is me, it is us standing in the need of grace, of really understanding it. So, Lord, we have the opportunity by the teaching of your Holy Spirit, through the instruction of your word, in these next few weeks to be inundated with understanding and applying grace to our life. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll take the scriptures and you'll work it deep, not just into our brains, not just into our, our minds, but deep into our hearts. For, Father, our heart is the very wellspring of our life and we're to guard our heart. And the best place, the best way to guard our heart is to understand grace because out of our hearts, the mouth speaks, and we want our mouths to be speaking grace to those around us. So, Lord, I pray that you'll open up your word, open up your Holy Spirit to us that we might really begin to get excited and live with the expectation of what grace is about to do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you are excited about being changed by grace? No, no, no. I want to hear an amen. Amen. Yeah, okay, there you go. Just want to know that you can say that word 
And you can raise your hand in this church. It's okay, all right? Don't be intimidated by what somebody else is doing. We want you to know that you ought to be excited about your Christian life, and you ought to be excited about this, this gift of grace that we're going to be looking at. Now, the grace of God is probably one of the most important teachings in all of the scriptures, but it's probably one of the least misunderstood. Now, we as Christians, we know about grace. We can quote the definition of grace. We can all quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast about it. We all say grace is unmerited favor. We all sing amazing grace. But we got a problem. And our problem is that when we think about grace, we almost always think of being saved by grace. And we limit grace to salvation. Now, grace always seems to be limited to this idea of salvation. But the Bible teaches not only are we saved by grace, we are to live by grace. And when I came here almost 13 and a half years ago, I said this is going to be a grace-oriented ministry. It's all going to be about grace and about God changing lives. And that's an important thing for us to get a hold of. Now, why do we have this problem with grace? Why do we limit it only to salvation? Because most of us tend to view our personal walk with God, our personal relationship with God, on the basis of performance, not on the basis of grace. Now, I don't know where we are in our notes, but we're a long way away from where we should be here. But if we performed well then we think that God's going to bless us. And we also think that if we have not performed well, then God is not going to bless us. Now, what we fail to realize when we do that is we're living by works, we're not living by grace. We're, we're saved by grace, but we're living by the sweat of our performance, by the sweat of our works, by the sweat of our brow. And the Christian life is something we're striving for and working for and making it happen. Because we're trying to maintain what we've already received. And we can't maintain grace. See, we're always challenging ourselves to do better, to work harder. And you hear this all the time in churches. Work harder, perform harder, strive. We seem to, to believe that success in the Christian life is pretty much up to us, up to my commitment, up to my discipline, up to my zeal, with a little bit of help from God. We say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We can quote Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, but our real motto, if we're really honest, is God helps those who help themselves. And that's our problem. Now, that problem leads to a need, and that need is twofold. First, we need to come to realize that my daily, not just my salvation, my daily relationship with God is based on the merit of Christ, not on my performance. Everything in my life is based on Christ's merit, not my performance. And the second thing we need to realize, our need, is that this is not a one-time experience. See, we think, well, I'm saved by grace, that's it. It's not a one-time experience. Grace is something that needs to be reaffirmed every day in our life. Now there's a warning here. Studying grace, and I realize this, is like a child trying to dip all the water out of the ocean with a bucket. 
It's inexhaustible. We will never, even if we spend 13 weeks on grace, we're never going to be able to exhaust grace. But I want to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to dip that bucket in that, in that ocean as much as we can dip it and try to get as much information about grace as we can find over the next few weeks. But today, we're looking at grace and performance. Again, let's go back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made complete or perfect by the flesh or by performance? Now, what comes to your mind when you hear the, the word bankrupt? What comes to your mind? Failure? Insolvency? We think of the inability to pay our debt? We talk about financial ruin, something that brings disgrace, something that brings shame to our life. Now, what comes to your mind when you think of moral bankruptcy? You think about being completely devoid of any moral quality. We are morally bankrupt. Now, we may not be financially bankrupt, and we may not even be morally bankrupt, but I want to tell you, we're all spiritually bankrupt bankrupt. We've got to start there. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans the third chapter. Are you with me so far? I say that all the time. I, I don't realize how many times I say that. But are you with me? Yeah. Alright, let's go to Romans chapter 3 and let's look at verse 10. It says, it's written, there's none righteous. Sorry. There's none righteous. No, not, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They've all together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. See, we don't have any assets at all. There's nothing we can hand over to God to even make a partial payment for our debt. And somehow we get on this, well, we got these scales. My good works and my bad works, and I'm balancing between my good works and bad works, and the times I'm walking with God, the times I'm not walking with God. And you know what the Scripture says about that? Isaiah 64, 6. It says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And you know what that word filthy rags means? It means minstrel rags. So all your righteousness, that's how God sees it. You are bankrupt, spiritually destitute. We owe a debt that we cannot pay. Then something happened. We learned that salvation is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God. And it's entirely by grace. Through faith. Not of works lest anyone to boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We should be on the next slide. We renounced our confidence in any supposed righteousness of our own in order to get us into salvation, to get us into faith in Jesus Christ alone. See, by those two acts, we declared our spiritual bankruptcy. So anyone who's come to faith in Christ, you have declared spiritual bankruptcy by these two acts. First, realizing that salvation is a gift from God, that you didn't earn it. And second, by realizing that you had no righteousness of your own, and you had to simply, by faith, Trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Again, those two acts declared spiritual bankruptcy. Now, here's the question. What kind of bankruptcy did we declare? In the business world, you have what's called Chapter 7 and Chapter 11 bankruptcy. 
Now, in Chapter 11 bankruptcy, you have a temporary bankruptcy. In other words, given time, you're going to try to take care of your financial problem. And you're given time to do that. Now, Chapter 7 is a permanent bankruptcy. That's where the company is finished, the investors, the owners lose everything. Now, was our spiritual bankruptcy, according to Romans 3, was it temporary or was it permanent? Now, most of us would say, rightly so, that it was permanent. Having trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, we realized that we could not add another measure of good works to what God has already done. We also realized and believed that he completely paid for our salvation. He paid our debt on the cross, secured eternal life for us. We believe that there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. The problem is this. Most of us have live as if it's temporary. We don't live like it's permanent. See, having trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, and, and I won't ask for a show of hands. Okay, how many of you have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation? Okay, I've trusted in him for salvation. We subtly then, and we unconsciously begin to revert back to a works relationship. Having been saved by grace, now we begin to earn our way with God. So we, we realize that our works won't get us into heaven, but somehow they're going to get us brownie points with God. Somehow we're going to earn God's blessing by being in our daily life doing and doing and doing rather than being and being and being. So we put away our more obvious sins. Not all of them. We put away our more obvious sins and then we start attending church. We put a little money in the offering plate. We join a small group. We see a sm uh, small things beginning to change in our life. Now we're ready to emerge from our spiritual bankruptcy and find our own way and pay our own way with God. We declare bankruptcy to get into God's kingdom, but now we can begin to think that we have to pay our own way with God, that somehow we have to maintain this. We're saved by grace where we're going to live by performance now. Here's our problem again, and it's twofold. We're legalistic by nature. By nature, we're all legalistic. We think so much performance on our part is going to earn so much blessing from God. Now, Peter had this problem. Let's go take a look at it. Let's go back to Matthew, the 19th chapter. Matthew chapter 19. Let's look at verse 27. Uh, by the way, I was in a church last week, beautiful church. Oh, my goodness, the service was absolutely amazing. Brand new little startup. It was church that was going to die, and it, it just it was amazing. They had a baptism. They hadn't had one for two years. They had eight people baptized in a feeding trough out in the courtyard. It was amazing. But they did something that I don't do here. They put the scripture up on the screen. That's okay. It was kind of cool. But I didn't have to have my Bible. I didn't have to open it. I could just come to church and see it. 
Now, the reason I have you turn to that, and I trust that you are, just because I don't throw it up there on the screen, I mean, it's up there, Matthew 19, 27, that you're opening your Bible. Because you're not going to find grace out here. You're going to find grace right here. All right? Now, let's look at Matthew's problem here. Excuse me, Peter's problem in Matthew 19, verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and we followed you, Jesus. Therefore, what shall we have? What do we get? <laughs> do you see it? He added up his merit points, and then he wanted to know how much reward he's going to get for being so faithful to God by giving up everything. We're legalistic by nature. The second problem is the Christian culture, we have grown up. Now, my generation is even worse. This one's almost gone too far the other way. Somehow there's a middle ground in here. But our Christian culture reinforces this attitude and this thinking of legalism. So we're exhorted to attend church, and we should. We're exhorted to have a quiet time, and we should. To study our Bibles, and we should. To pray, and we should. And to memorize scripture, and we should. And to have a ministry, and to have a witness, and to give to missions, and all this stuff is important. But somehow, we get it into our minds that we'd better do these things or God isn't going to bless. So then rather than rest to receive, we're starting to strive to produce by doing these things to earn God's blessing. And then we turn to the Scripture, and then the Scripture doesn't help us because it says to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, to pursue holiness, to add to our faith virtue and virtue and also. So man, we are working hard. And that's why people are dropping out of our churches like flies because they can't measure up. And they can't do it. You know what one of the best kept secrets in all the Christian life is? Here it is. Jesus paid it all. Would you say that to me? Jesus paid it all. It's the best kept secret among Christians. See, not only did he purchase our forgiveness of sin, now, this is going to come to a shock. He has already purchased every blessing you will ever experience. He's already purchased every answer to prayer that you're going to pray. He already took care of it on the cross. Every blessing, every answer to prayer, every forgiveness of your sin, he's already purchased it. It is done. Now, we're afraid of this truth, and I'll tell you why we're afraid of this truth. Because if we really say that truth out loud and we really believe it, we think we're going to slack off. We think we're going, to, we're going to slack off and we're going to begin to backslide. So we fall short of the blessing. Our deeper issue is that we really don't believe that we're still spiritually bankrupt. Somehow I'm pretty good and I'm better than that guy over there and I'm better than this Christian over here and our church is better than that church and we start comparing ourselves instead of looking at Jesus. So then what we do is we begin to pay our own way. got to pay my own way with God. I got I to do my thing. And we're living by good works rather than by grace. Now, the total Christian experience is summed up in three words. And if we understand these three words, then we're going to understand grace. If we don't understand these three words, we will never understand grace. Here they are number one, justification. Number two, sanctification. Number three, glorification. Now, bear with me on this. 
because we've got to understand justification, sanctification, and glorification, or we're never going to understand grace. Now, what is justification? Justification is being declared righteous before God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is a point in time once for all, once you are justified. So I don't care how many times you go forward and I'm being saved, I'm being re- re- saved. No, you're saved once. You're justified, declared righteous once. And it's a time in our lives when we are saved, when we exchange our life for God, when our spirit, which was once dead, now comes alive, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Then you've got to understand, I'm going to go into this a little more, you've got to understand sanctification. Sanctification is a process. It's our growth in Christ-likeness. It's where we grow from being justified to being glorified. It is a progressive experience in our life covering our entire Christian life. We're sanctified. We're set apart. Then there's glorification. Now, glorification is one day when Jesus Christ returns and you're resurrected and your spirit is joined with your body and you have a new glorious body and you're glorified to be forever and ever with Jesus Christ. Now, does everybody understand those three terms? Justification, sanctification, glorification. Now, now most of us would agree that justification is solely by grace through faith in Christ. We'd also agree that our glorification is totally by faith by grace in God. Now, here's our problem. So our, our justification is by grace. Our glorification is by grace. But somehow this sanctification thing, this being set apart into God, that's a little bit of grace, but it's also a lot of works. It's a mixture. It's the way we practice our Christian life. It's a mixture of personal performance and God's grace. Now, This is reinforced by our legalism and it's reinforced by our culture. Well, I I, I won't go there. Here's what our... (laughs) I'd like to, but I won't. Here's our view of the church, the Christian life. And I've got this little chart thing in your notes. See, on one side, we have that justification is based on grace. And on the other side of that chart... Our glorification is based on life, on grace. But our sanctification in our Christian life is based on works. So here's our sequence. I'm saved by grace. I'm glorified by grace. I maintain my Christian life. I live my Christian life by a little bit of grace, but a lot of help from me and my works. So we have this grace, works, grace sequence in our life. Now, let's look at what our view of the Christian life should be. And that's pretty simple. You're justified by grace, you're glorified by grace, and you're sanctified and you continue to live day by day in the Christian life by grace. So here you have a grace, grace, grace. We enter the kingdom by grace, we live in the kingdom by grace, and we will one day go to the kingdom in in heaven by grace. Grace, grace, grace sequence. Now, The entire, let me emphasize that word, the entire Christian life is lived by grace. We are brought into God's kingdom by grace. We are sanctified and set apart by God by grace. We receive temporal and spiritual blessings and answers to prayer by grace. 
God's not obligated to answer a prayer, but he does by grace. We're motivated to obedience by grace. We're called to serve and enabled to serve by grace. We endure trials by grace, and we are glorified by grace. It's all about grace. Let's go to Romans 11. Romans chapter 11. And look at verse 6. Romans 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it's no longer works. Folks, it is either grace or it's works. And it's very clear. Now, the rest of this isn't in some other translations, but I'm going to read it anyway. If by grace, it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works... It is no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. So if you have work, you cannot have work in grace. Grace or works. If you have grace, then it's no longer works. So our relationship with God, every one of you here that have a relationship with God, it's either based on grace or it's based on works. One or the other can't be both. Now, I know you're going to say, and we're going to look at it, well, faith without works is dead. Yeah, that's true. We're going to look at that, James, down the road. So hang in there. I'm laying out a truth for you. Our relationship with God is either based on grace or it's based on works. It's never, never a works plus grace or grace plus works, never. Otherwise, there's no more grace. And if there's no more grace, then we are lost. And God isn't who he said he was, and our whole thing is, is a lie. John Newton, in his song, Amazing Grace, is grace that's brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. He's an old slave trader who came to Christ. Now, here's the question for today. Now, we're going to add to this, guys. This, this is just the, not, it's just the dirt. It's not even the foundation yet. You understand? It's just the dirt that we're going to build on to the next foundation. We're going to keep building on this thing called grace. So I just want you to understand this. Here's the question for today, Galatians 3.3. 3. Having begun in the Spirit. See, your spirit was once dead towards God. Your spirit came alive. The Spirit of God has been placed in you. It is either you've begun in the Spirit, are you now trying to live by performance? Are you now trying to live by grace or human effort? 1981, I found Christ as my Savior when I was seven years old, a little stone church in Port Collins, Colorado. But in 1981, I was pastoring, guys, in First Baptist Church, Lakewood, Colorado. In 1981, I came crawling into my house on my hands and knees. I was putting in 80 hours a week. I'd done that for 10 years of my ministry. I was working myself to death. My family was suffering for it. And I'm sorry, I keep walking around. I've got to stop, stand still. Cameramen are going, oh, what's he doing? 
uh, I literally came through the front door, and I've told you the story before, on my hands and knees. And Kat said, what are you doing? I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. She says, that's good. It's about time you learn that. I had found Christ as my Savior. But that day, 1981, I wrote it in my Bible, I found Christ as my life. My life. I learned to exchange my life for his life. And it's no longer me and my effort, but God and his spirit. My ministry changed. My preaching changed. Everything changed. My family changed. By a simple truth of exchange life, Let's go to Ephesians 2, and then I'm going to give an illustration to you, and I'll be done. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is a passage that God used. Ephesians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. I love this. It's all talking about the flesh and what we used to be by nature, children of wrath. Look at this in verse 4. But God, would you underline that? I love it. But God, that's the difference. But God, who is rich in hating you and beating you over the head and, and browbeating you and bringing you down, no, it says, God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, he laid it all on the line. He died my death. He died my sin. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved and raised us up together. Right now, all of us are raised up together, sitting at the right hand of God in Jesus Christ. That's our position. That's our identity. I'll go back to the scripture. He raised us up together and made us sit Quit walking around. Quit trying to do something. Just sit still with God. He raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why that? That in the age to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Wow. If that passage doesn't change you, if it doesn't transform you, I don't know what will. How many of you remember Mahibaseth? Mahibaseth in the Bible? Hey, Mahibaseth was a son of David's friend, Jonathan. Jonathan's son. Of course, Jonathan was Saul's son. Now, Mahibaseth had been crippled in both feet from age five years old. And after David became king, he desired to show kingness, kindness to everyone who was in Saul's household for Jonathan's sake, the scripture says. Not for Saul's sake, but for Jonathan's sake. He wanted to honor Saul's household. So Mahibaseth, crippled and destitute, 
unable to care for himself, living in somebody else's house, was invited to the king's house. And 2 Samuel 9.11 says, And he ate at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Now, Mahibaseth never got over his crippled condition. He never got better. He never got to the place where he could leave the king's table and make it on his own. Never did. I want to tell you something, folks. Neither do we. Neither do we. We enter the Christian life by grace. We live the Christian life by grace. And we will leave this Christian life by grace. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for Mahibaseth. He was physically bankrupt. We are spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing by winning asset in us that we can even bring to pay a partial payment of our debt or in any way add to being able to live this thing called the Christian life. It is by grace. And I want to thank you, God, that we entered that by grace, that we're living it today by grace. And one day, one glorious day, we will leave it by grace. So, Lord, as we enter into this study of grace, change us. Get us out of our legalism. Get us out of what the culture is telling us, how we should live and what we should do and what it means to be a Christian. And let's just go to your word. Let's just go to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of our faith. Father, transform us. Change me. I thank you in 1981, you began that change, and it's, you're still working on it. Father, I want to thank you. One day I'll lay it all down and be glorified. But Lord, teach us your ways. They're not our ways. They're not the world's ways. We're going to look like a fish out of water. We're going to look like we're going upstream and everybody else is going downstream. But God, you'll change us. You will transform us because you loved us. So Lord, Teach me about grace so that I can teach others about grace over these next few weeks. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.